أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته So we began a, a very interesting passage of this chapter uh, which uh, Ibn Abi Zayd introduces by saying that the jima' here all of the adab of goodness uh, so if a person wants a in-depth exposition about adab what is adab and what is the point of adab and what is the benefit of adab and who the people of adab are in islam let them listen to uh, sheikh amin's uh, lesson from the risala qushayriya uh, this uh, just last thursday so the day before yesterday uh, in which he talked about adab and just a bunch of other really interesting stuff he mentioned about about the the child that they're right against or the right upon the father is what is that the father should pick a good name for the child and the father should pick a good uh, a nurse to nurse the child that the child can be nourished on the halal and on the tayyib and on goodness and known for known by a good name and that the father should and it's interesting he pointed out and i think i mentioned it before he pointed out that it's not written that the child should be taught alif batatha or the child should be taught the fatiha or the child should be taught a trade what is it that the child should be taught adab the right is that the father should have taught the child adab uh, the idea is that you can learn the other things from other people but these are those fitri uh, uh, those fitri things that a person needs to learn uh, in literally with the milk of the mother uh, in order to be a good person and so Sheikh Amin mentioned the the kalam of the mashaykh that uh, Abu Ali al-Daqaq, I believe he quoted him as saying uh, that the uh, that the person's uh, obedience to the sharia uh, and obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is what will earn him jannah and uh, the person's uh, adab with Allah ta'ala is what earns them the love of Allah. And uh, conversely, uh, I believe it's Abu Ali al-Daqaq also who said, uh, uh, he mentioned in his dars, you can go and double check the references. I just listened to it today actually. Um, he said that man fatahul adab ma'al muluk sallama jahluhu ila qatlihi sallamahu jahluhu ila qatlihi that the person who loses their adab with kings that person, their uh, ignorance or their ignorant behavior will deliver them into uh, into into getting killed, and it's it's deep, it's deep, right? Because think about it, like in the old days of monarchy and absolute rule, um, if a person loses adab with the king, what will happen? The king will off with his head. If you don't know how to enter that majlis and you're going to, even if the king's a bad person, or you don't agree with the king's uh, the king's uh, uh, decrees or the way they run things if you show your impatience with the decree of the king what will happen you will uh, you'll go to the chopping block 
and so imagine uh, how how much more perilous your position is with the one whose zat is beniaz, who is a samad, the one that who doesn't need anybody whatsoever. Uh, that he he completely he completely messed them up he completely he messed up uh, so uh, he, he mentions he says that all of the adab of goodness so he also mentioned the the definition of adab as being at uh, fi kulli khairin that to to adab means to stay and be firmly rooted and to stop and dwell on every good thing and also by extension meaning not to wander uh, off on ugly things that every good thing you take full full uh, benefit from uh, from it and you uh, dwell on it that's where you make your place of uh, your station your place of, of, of dwelling your place of staying he says that the the gathering of all of the adab of goodness and literally the reins imagine that a person is like on a horse and controlling the horse the reins are what they have inside of their their hands by which they uh, they control uh, this like powerful uh, beast that will take take a person you know long distances and spare them uh, a great amount of effort so that the reins of all of these adab uh, al uh, they they uh, branch out from four hadiths. Meaning, if you can, if you can tap into the wisdom of these four hadith, you will uh, learn the adab, every adab of, of goodness. You'll learn it. So one would think that these are really important hadith, and this is going to be a really long subject. But this is a combination of the sagacity of Ibn Abi Zaid and his learning, as well as the miraculous nature of the. Of the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam's conciseness and eloquence, Indeed, I was given, I was given comprehensive speech. So there are four hadiths he's going to mention, and he's mentioned them before. And they're really short hadith, and they're worth memorizing. They're worth memorizing, and you know, like we live in an era of, you know, the old days people used to study and like learn ilm. Uh, now we live in an era of khutbah workshops. So, okay, fine, you want to give the khutbah and uh, you're not going to take the mo'idha that it's probably better not to. Um, so you're going to give it anyway. Please, instead of giving the khutbah about the Black Panther, give the khutbah about these things we're about to mention, mashallah. It will be better for you in your dunya and your akhirah. Inshallah, you'll be famous and loved by the Muslims as well. But that's not the point. And the benefit is that you're going to actually, inshallah, be teaching people something good. So instead of instead of taking a field trip in the left field of your own imagination, uh, which may sound deep to you and a couple of airheaded uh, individuals who are, you know, travel the word, world in the seven seas, everybody's looking for something. Some of them want to use you and some of them want to be used by you. There's always two or three people who want to be used by you, no matter whatever crazy things you say, they're going to, wah, wah, and that was deep and that was real spiritual. Um, even those people are an amana from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you abuse them, you'll... Uh, uh, <laughs> you'll get a beat down on the other side uh, and uh, uh, but if you guide them to something better then Allah Ta'ala will reward you for it uh, and uh, you know these four hadith if you if you memorize them you'll not only guide those people who will listen to basically anything you say you'll also guide the people who have some brain and want some benefit 
And even those people, the most wise of ulama, if someone should sit, you know, Ghazali and Abu Hanifa and all these people are sitting in your your, your uh, khutbah um, one day, even they'll appreciate and they'll benefit from it, inshallah. Uh, so write it down, you know, and uh, uh, take, take heed. Take heed. It's benefit for all of us. It's benefit for all of us. And I wish these were the things that we taught our children, you know, when their eyes first opened and light first came into their eyes. Uh, and instead of sitting them down in front of like my little pony and uh, uh, you know Tom and Jerry and other things that at first when you're a kid you're like oh this is so neat it's a cartoon yay and then when you look at it like after having grown up and like analyzed a little bit of the world you're like this is slightly problematic <laughs> uh, mashallah so what are those four hadiths قول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من كان يؤمن بالله واليوم الآخر فليقول خيرا أو ليصمت. The 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 saying of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم that whoever believes in Allah and believes in the last day, let them say good, let them say something good, something positive, something nice, something constructive. You know, sometimes you might even have to say something negative, but let it be constructive. Let like some good come from it. Only yasmut, or let that person just be silent. And it's part of a longer hadith narrated by Bukhari. Man kana yuman billahi bil-yawm al-akhir fal-yukrim dhaifahu. Whoever believes in Allah in, in the last day, let him honor his guest. And whoever believes in Allah in the last day, let him say good or let him be silent. And so this is only a, a fragment of the hadith that is being quoted by uh, by Ibn Abi Zaid here. But it's really deep. So why? Because the tongue, the tongue will... You know, the, the speech of the tongue is what fills up graveyards. The speech of the tongue is what builds civilizations. The speech of the tongue is what distracts people from what's important. Or the speech of the tongue can bring people back to the haq. And this is, a, a, you know, this is a, another hadith. Sayyidina Mu'adh bin Jabal radiallahu anhu. He asked the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, will people be taken to task for the things that they say? The idea was that possibly, you know, since it's not actually a deed, it's just words, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones. Uh, you know, he says that will people be uh, thrown in the hellfire? Will people be punished because of what they say? And um, the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, because he gave special, special tawajjuh and special attention to Mu'ad bin Jabal, who was one of the fuqaha and one of the master ulama of the, of the companions, despite his young age and despite him not being from the nobility of Quraysh, he was Ansari. So Mu'adh bin Jabal radiallahu ta'ala who, who's from Khazraj, from the Ansar. He says, he says, he says, Ya Mu'adh, thaqulatka ummuka. He says, Ya Mu'adh, may your mother grieve you. Meaning like, oh my goodness, like I didn't, you know, like how, how could you be, uh, you know, have a misunderstanding about this thing. He says, Hal yukubbu nasu ala wujuhihim wa ala manakhirihim fil nari illa bihasa'idi al-sinatihim. He says, oh, He said that, Oh, Mu'adh, may your mother grieve you. Do you think people will be dragged uh, in the hellfire on their faces and on their noses, uh, except for because of the, the crop that's harvested from this, meaning from the tongues, from their tongues? And uh, so, you know, the tongue is really, it's really deep. You know, it's really important. The written word is nothing but a reflection of the spoken word. The word was spoken before it was written. And that's why, like the word, even the word like lafala to like pronounce something. Lafala means to throw. That's the original meaning of lafala yalfahu. And kalima uh, yaklimu, like kalima, the word, like the, the word itself, the word kalima, right? The 
basic the verb that its uh, root is derived from, or the root that the word is derived from, I should say, it means to to stab or to pierce. Why? Because the meaning it it transcends like physical things and it goes straight to the haqiqah. It goes straight to a, a, an abstract reality. And this is why, um, you know, one of one of the, if not the, the prime differentiators between human beings and between the rest of the creation, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, says, you know, وَعَلَّمَ آدَمَ الْأَسْمَاءَ كُلَّهَا ثُمَّ عَرَضَهُمْ عَلَى الْمَلَائِكَةِ فَقَالَ أَنْبِئُونِي بِأَسْمَائِهَا أُولَئِيٍ كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ Is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught Sayyidina Adam alayhi the names of all things. He could say a word and the abstract reality of it is like literally conjured up like you know like a, like a superpower and then he asked the angels he says now you tell me the names of all these different things and if you if you really if you're truthful they said they said transcendent are you subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana transcendent are you above any blemish or any fault we have no knowledge except for the thing that you taught us Indeed, you're the all-knowing, the all-wise. And that's, I mean, that's, and nobody has any knowledge except for what Allah Ta'ala teaches them. Allah Ta'ala gave this knowledge specifically as a particular gift to Sayyidina Adam Islam. So you can't just walk around like saying whatever the heck you want. I mean, I get freedom of speech and stuff. And like, I don't want the government to like come to my house and be like, well, you can't say this. You can't say that. I'm all for that. I'm all for that. But that doesn't mean that, you know, that the, the, the American legal right to say whatever you want is unaccompanied by spiritual responsibility of being very careful about what you say because you'll be held responsible for all of these things one day. And Islam is very keen to remind a person about the responsibility of using their tongue wisely because it's a gate and inroad to the heart and like a lot of stuff can happen for it. Like literally people have said words, it's filled graveyards up. It's, it's spilled blood, rivers of blood and it's mounted up, uh, it's mounted up piles of bodies. And people have said words and they've ended disputes and ended wars. People have said words because of which civilizations were built, because of which people, generations of happiness happened. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says that a slave will speak a word from the, from the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala because of which they will be uh, granted such a high level of paradise. And they won't even think like it was a big deal. Like they won't remember like they said that thing, but they said something and they didn't think it's a big deal, but with Allah it's a big deal. And the slave will say a word from the anger, the ghadab and the sakhat of Allah Ta'ala, which will plunge them 40 years into the hellfire. And they won't have even thought of it as such a big deal. And so a person should be like really careful, you know, if it could go really wrong or really right, you know, like here's a, here's a, here's a roulette wheel and 50% of the spaces are, uh, you know, going to like, we'll give you uh, wealth and happiness. And the other 50% of the spaces are going to plunge you into a horrible death. You want to take a spin? I'm like, you know what? I'm good. I'm not going to take a spin with that. I'm happy with what I have right now. I'm in control of my life. And, you know, things may not be perfect, but like, I'm not willing to just roll the wheel. Why? Because what's going to happen if it's 50-50, then, you know, statistically just roll it twice and you're you're done. And that's what the tongue is like. And that's why Nawawi Rahimullah Ta'ala has a very simple rule with regards to speech is that before a person opens their mouth and says something, they should think, is this going to be a benefit or a net benefit of net harm? And if the harm is net, even if there's a benefit there, if the, there's going to be net harm in it, then just don't say it. And he said that the sunnah is if the benefit and harm are equal, the sunnah is still not to say it. 
And so he mentions this hadith of the Prophet which all of this wisdom is encapsulated in this hadith if a person ponders. He says, whoever believes in Allah and in the last day, let them say something good or let them let them stay silent. And Mulvi Hamza uh, adds, let them just shut the heck up. Just be quiet, you know. How many marriages could be saved if a husband in his anger just shut his mouth? If a wife in her anger just shut her mouth? How many brothers and sisters would be talking to each other to this day that have cut each other off? Because we look at the previous lessons about like the importance of the barakah of keeping your ties with the people, the ummah and your barakah of teaching, keeping ties with your relatives. How many brothers and sisters who are have cut each other off would be talking to each other if one or more parties could just shut the heck up, just be quiet, right? There was something you said, you wanted to say it, you received a bizarre type of pleasure out of saying it, which is like abnormal, like perverted level, bizarre pleasure out of saying it. There was no benefit in it whatsoever. You could have just shut up. What was the point? Just stay quiet. You would have not cut your relations off with your family members. And who knows Allah Ta'ala, without count, how many barakat would have come down on you and on your uh, uh, brother in this world and the hereafter, in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm, if you could just shut your mouth, just keep quiet. How many, how many, how many parents and children, you know, especially the children, right? But the parents too. Parents say all kind of crazy things to their kids and they shatter their self-esteem. Kids say all sorts of crazy things to their parents and they break their mother's heart. They break their father. Why, why couldn't you just shut the heck up? You know, just because you're right. What is it? There should be some benefit. Just because you're right doesn't mean that you should say it. Anyone who wishes to like stay married for like longer than like three days. No, just shut up. You don't have to say everything. Just because something is true doesn't mean you have to say it. How many people write comments on, on, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Purple Donkey? I don't know, whatever kind of weird stuff, emails and whatever that they write in anger. And because of that, poison stays between them and somebody else. Muslim, non-Muslim, doesn't matter. Poison stays between two, two hearts. You know, that, that's never going to be removed until Yom Al-Qiyamah. And some of them, even then, that day, it's not going to be removed either. In fact, that day, that poison is going to kill you on that day. Why? You didn't have to write it. There's nice ways. There, there's not nice ways. There's like unnecessarily, unnecessarily antagonistic ways of writing the same thing. And there are other ways of writing the same thing. You know, you, you puff-headed buffoon or whatever. Or you could say, like, you know, I don't think that this was executed as, as wisely as it could have been, it needed to be, or like it could have been. Always you can de-escalate, de-escalate, de-escalate. Always you can de-escalate. And the rule in the sunnah, the rule with law enforcement, if it's actually good law enforcement and not like actually going around shooting people for being like a particular color or whatever, right? Good rule, good everything, good governance, good dean, good spirituality, good emotional. All it has to do is roll it back, dial it back. Don't use your tongue to hack each other down. Don't use words to hack each other down. Let a person, whoever believes in Allah Ta'ala and in the last day, let them say good or let them stay silent. And within that, you know, if saying good or staying silent is the standard, right? That even if you have to say something negative for the sake of being constructive, then dial back the negativity as much as you can. And this is something really interesting, right? Like to say things just to humiliate people, it's not only uh, uh, proscribed by the deen, not allowed, but it's not, it's not helpful at all. It's not productive at all. 
you know, even when you're dealing with little kids, when you're dealing with little kids, uh, I remember seeing like an elder tell off a child. And I, I go to them like afterward, I'm, I'm like, you know, you, do you notice that you told that child off in such a way that that kid is completely numb now? Like you're, you, they're not going to ever listen to anything you say again because you completely humiliated them. You didn't give them any room. Like, cause you know, I, I'm the last guy who is going to advocate like a only positive approach. Like, you know, everybody gets a star on their chart cause everybody's special, like uh, approach to tarbiyah. If everybody's special, then nobody's special. You can't just do things through positivity. Otherwise, Allah Ta'ala wouldn't have created a Jahannam. It doesn't work that way. Targhib and Targhib are like two wings. You can't just fly in one wing, you know? Uh, so I'm the last guy who's going to be there. But so take understand what I'm saying in that context. If you, if you use your tongue to hack each other down, if you use your words to hack each other down so badly, and this is an age of like just bizarre level, like again, people get like ajib, like sexual gratification level of, uh, of, of, of pleasure out of just being so negative to people. And it's weird. It's a type of perversion because there's no benefit. There, there's like the aslan in, in, a, in any principled way. You shouldn't be happy to hack another person down. You shouldn't be happy to hack another human being down. As a human being, you should look at another human being and see yourself in them. And so it should pain you. You should see another human being suffering. You should be hurt. If you see another human being suffer and it somehow makes you feel like you're going up, what does it mean? It's underneath the layers of the onion of messed upness that's going on there. It's what? It's because you yourself have lost your humanity. You don't like consider yourself a human being. You consider yourself so degraded now that you no longer see yourself in other people. Or when you look at someone else, you see someone worthless. Why? Because you have accepted that you yourself are worthless. But you're not worthless. Other people are not worthless. Don't go down that route. If you're down that route, then go talk to the, you know, mashayikh and ulama. Go check yourself into the doctor, whether it be spiritual or like psychological good or like you know, whatever. And like get that fixed. Work on that. This problem. It's a real problem. When even when you have to like make zajar, you have to like deter people from doing wrong things with force. And it happens sometimes and it's very effective when it's used at the right time. At that time, you cannot humiliate a person to the complete last degree. You have to save some part of what you want to say. And you have to say some part of what the punishment that person deserves is. And you have to say you have to reserve some part of it. Why? Because you have to at least leave something intact in that person for them to like to, to, to retreat to and say, this is what I have good. I'm going to come back to this and stick to this. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to grow. I'm going to extend my goodness from here. I'm not going to. I'm not going to uh, completely demolish the positive that's there in that person. Why? Because anyone who's taught little children and they know that big children, big people are just like little children who are have like slightly more sophisticated vocabulary and like are a little bit better at hiding their, their childishness and are a little bit more like, you know, um, uh, a little bit more sophisticated at carrying themselves. But essentially a human being is a human being, it's little kids inside. All of us are like, the, the all of us are just a big person with like the same little kid that we used to be inside. And so what happens if you demolish a person completely? It's the same thing as if you have like a classroom and you tell a kid that they're completely stupid. What happens? I'll, I'll give you a case, case study. Okay. I was in Istanbul. Um, maybe it was just this last year. Maybe it was the year before. I was in Istanbul 
And uh, unfortunately, there are many refugee children who are uh, begging in those places. And like, you got to understand, some of these kids have literally been in camps from the time that they have been able to walk and talk. And it's been years now. And you have kids that are now like seven, eight, nine, that are begging. And they're very street smart, but they don't know how to read and write. And it's really sad. Like I saw a video of a refugee camp uh, where an aid worker shows a notebook to the kids and says, can you read this word? And the kids, well, I'm about you know, like, well, I don't know what it says. I don't know what it says. No, I can't read it. Does it say this? Does it say that? No, that's not what it says. You know. And then at the end of like asking 13, 14 kids, the person shows the, the, the piece of paper and it had the divine name written on it, Allah. Allah Ta'ala have uh, mercy on, on this ummah, especially the little kids. And protect their iman, even though like, you know, we uh, failed to make preparations, you know, to, to, to make them successful in that. And so what would happen is like those kids would come and beg. And obviously growing up with uh, Protestants, we take a relatively dim view of beggars. And uh, and so, uh, uh, you know, I have to fight the internal Scrooge McDuck Flint Heart Glongold inside of me and say like these miskin kids, yeah, they're hustlers and they're jokers and they lack a lot of adab, but you know, at the end of the day, what are you gonna do with like one one lira you're, gonna, you're not gonna like, you know what I mean? You're not gonna go and like start a heroin business. You know, your kids are gonna go eat something, you know, or they're gonna buy something for their mother. And so what I would do is I would, you know, like like I was sitting in the uh, Shahzad Abashi Masjid and uh, like a gaggle of like seven-year-old girls came. Just like cute little girls. Literally, they like, reminded me of my own daughters. And so I said, okay. They, they're like, you're like, well, Riyal Lillah, give me a Riyal for the sake of Allah. Yeah, Ammu, Riyal for the sake of Allah. I said, look. I don't like beggars and I'm not in the business to give to beggars, but I will pay you one real if you can read the Fatiha. And uh, uh, this gaggle of kids, and they're Arabic, native Arabic speakers, and they're Muslims. You know, they're Muslims. Their families are Muslims. They're Muslims. And, uh, you know, they couldn't do it. So I said, let me cut you a deal. How about this? I go, I go I, I'll read the ayah. You just repeat it. You just repeat it. And they're like, okay. So Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. One girl takes a real, the second girl takes a real, the third girl comes up. And the thing is, they're messing it up. They can't read it. They, they, haven't, they don't know how to read it properly. And so one of the brothers with me, like one of the girls, like just really bumbled one of the ayahs. And, uh, and he corrected her. And I'm like, shut up. Why? Because I've taught kids before. And what happened? He corrected her and all of a sudden, no, God, not off. I don't know. And I'm like, don't worry about him. Don't listen to him. I don't know who he is. He's not with me. Get rid of him. I say, you read it so good, mashallah. Just two more ayahs. Let's read it. Let's finish it. No, no, no. She became so embarrassed that she, she, uh, uh, you know, she wanted, she just literally, she ran away. She's like, she didn't even want the real anymore. What is the point of all of this? How is this connected to even when you're trying to give constructive constructive feedback, right? What could be more constructive than like teaching like a sweet little girl 
uh, of the Muslims how to recite an ayah of the Fatiha correctly. You have to be careful. You have to be careful that the negativity of what you're saying is not so much that it ends up completely demolishing the person from the inside. Because once they get the idea or the feeling that there's no more good left in them, they will they will give up and giving up is really bad right making a mistake is not bad making a mistake is not ideal you know one would hope that you you know work on things uh, enough that you correct your mistakes however the only actual fail with allah allah rewards based on intention you see i think you've heard that before somewhere or another right it's the first hadith of bukhari allah ta'ala re rewards based on intention so even the person who like screws up you know the 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 you know the girl who like you know uh, uh, is like serving tea to the uh, suitors that have come to the house to inquire about her marriage proposal and she trips and spills the tea over like her like potential mother-in-law and like this is not going to go anywhere right and all she wanted to do is like you know be nice to her guests and like fulfill a sunnah of the prophet sallallahu while being nice to her guests all these like one over the other like layered up uh, uh, good intentions and it ended like as a complete fiasco and disaster, right? Um, even then, Allah knows what's in her heart. Allah will reward her based on what the best of what was in her heart is. And who knows, maybe it, it going wrong is going right because maybe that mother-in-law would have been like a complete like, you know, uh, would have been a complete Iblisa up on top of her and Allah saved her and her good intention actually you know caused the hand of providence providence to intervene for her it brought good in this world and the hereafter that's not a fail that's a win anyone who tries for the sake of Allah wins what's the what's that actual fail is the one who doesn't try the one who gives up giving up uh, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like really problematic and so what happens when you say bad, you know, to the point where you completely destroy a person and you completely point out everything wrong with them and you like make them come face to face and beholden to like how screwed up they really are, their confidence is shattered. They give up. They can't do anything anymore. They're not, they're no longer good for anything. And the Prophet wasn't like that. He didn't used to go and completely humiliate and shatter people. He used to go out of his way to make sure to protect people. Imagine that like on the day of the Fath Mecca, the flag bearer, the alamdar of the Prophet says, malhama, that today is the, the 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 day of it's going to be a malhama, it's going to be a butcher shop. And the Prophet didn't want that to happen. He wanted the exact opposite to happen, and he made sure he took great pains to make sure the opposite of that happened. So when he took the flag from him, who did he give the flag to? He gave the flag to his son. Why? It could be that his son was just so happened to be both his son and the next person who was most, uh, 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 you know, qualified for the job. It's, I guess, a remote possibility, uh, although highly improbable. What's the hikmah that the ulama of the Sirah mentioned from this story? Is that what? This was a way that the Prophet could ensure that someone who may not keep their cool and composure uh, at the time he needs them to, that that person can can be relieved of command without humiliating and embarrassing him. Why? Because if his son's in command, that honor, this honor of the son is the honor of the father. 
so many examples of this from the uh, uh, from the seerah of the Prophet وسلم, and the seerah of the Hukama and the seerah of the Ahlullah and the Mashaykh and the Murabbin and the Murshideen of, of the Tariq and the, the, the ulama kiram that are ulama Rabbaniyin, people who have this uh, uh, Rabbaniyyah inside of them, that they're people of the Lord. They're people of the Lord. They're the men of the Lord. Why? Because even the Rabb Tabarakah wa Ta'ala, he doesn't do that with us. You know, if everyone was to, it's our aqidah, if everyone was delivered justice right away, we'd all be in the hellfire. What does Allah Ta'ala do? He's patient with us and he's soft with us and he lets us learn lessons one at a time and he even lets us off when we don't learn lessons in the day, you know, the day we don't, you know, do what we're supposed to do. He still gives us oxygen. It's not like, you know, like, you know, like you failed me for the last time. <laughs> it's not like, you know, that's not, that's Darth Vader. That's, that's a different religion. We don't follow that religion. All the dark side people all go to hell. They all go to Jahannam forever, right? If you die on the dark side. So, uh, uh, you know, let a person say good and, or let them stay quiet. The problem is what? Is that we, we have like so much access to say so much to so many people and our words can proliferate so fast. Just be careful about it. You know, like if you're in doubt, just stay calm. Just stay quiet. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. If you see yourself going on negative tirades, even if every single one of them is justified, rein them back, lest a person get into the habit of, of saying, speaking ill, that 19 times they say something bad. And every single one of them was justified. The 20th time when it's not justified, what's going to happen? You know, they're, they, they're setting themselves up to be victims of their own habit. And Allah Ta'ala protect us. Like I said, if you want to live a long and happy marriage, especially with particular husbands, just stay quiet. Don't say it. Don't say it. Just, just shut up. Don't say it. Inshallah, you know, think about it. Three weeks later, if you really need to say it, you can say it then. Just don't say it. And if your wife says it, still don't say it. Uh, uh, and the hadith of the Prophet. So these, are, so these are real short hadiths, right? They're real simple. And the second is for, uh, the the speech, uh, his speech, uh, upon him be peace. Uh, that from the beauty and from the perfection of the Islam of a man is him leaving those things that don't him leaving those things that don't uh, concern him. If it doesn't concern you, move on, move along. Don't watch YouTube videos about underwater basket weaving. It may be fascinating. It may really be fascinating. If it doesn't concern you, don't leave. Don't 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 watch. You know, if it doesn't concern you, just leave. Uh, don't listen to people's conversations. Don't worry what this person is saying and what that person is saying. Don't worry about qil waqal. Don't worry about kathratu su'al, asking stupid questions about stuff that's not really relevant to you. Um, you know, people say there's so, there's no such thing as a dumb question. Unfortunately, uh, you know, I, I can't say in good consciousness that that's true. Oftentimes we'll say, go ahead and ask and let your asatis and your mashayikh, you know, evaluate how, what the worthiness of the question is and don't be offended if they choose not to answer at the time. But kathratu uh, su'al, asking too many questions uh, that are not relevant, it, it's, it will be a source of pain for you in your life, in this world and in the hereafter. Whereas the person who just puts their nose down and does the work that they're supposed to do uh, will be able to focus. And through focus, you do you, you you bring excellence into your work. You bring perfection into your work. You bring beauty into your work. 
and through being excellent and being beautiful and, and perfecting your things, whether it's in the deen or in the dunya, that's how you reach the highest of the highest of ranks. Uh, so leave those things that don't concern you. Don't don't be uh, the cat whose curiosity, you know, let it to lick the power line and, you know, <laughs> nobody lived not happily or ever after or, or uh, any other way other than in a highly oxygenated pile of sm smoldering carbon. Uh, it just, it doesn't work, right? And again, the unfettered, uh, the unfettered explorer in every one of us says, no, but I want to know everything. And uh, the only one who ever said I wanted to know everything in earnest is Iblis. And he found out everything he wanted to know. And it, it wasn't good. It didn't end well. You know, so the things that are beneficial to you, the things that are, are good for you, go ahead and, uh, and pursue those things. The things that don't concern you, let them go. You only have a limited amount of breaths that Allah has written for you. You only have another, a, a limited amount of blinks of the eye Allah has written for you. You only have a, a, a number of days and hours and minutes and seconds Allah has written for you. You only have a limited amount of dollars and cents Allah has written for you. You know, you only have a limited amount of bites of food and sips of water Allah has limited for you. Use them in something that's beneficial for you. Don't use them in frivolity and things that don't concern you. This is very practical advice. You know, I'm not telling you, look, Sheikh, well, I can't be on all the time, 100% focused all the time. Who could be like that? Are you like that? You're not like that. Anyone who knows anything about me knows I'm not like that. Okay, fine. You're a, you're, you're, you're a slob like me. You're a clown like me. You need to laugh and enjoy and you can't work all the time. You know, all work and uh, no play makes uh, whatever gossip, whatever glum boy or whatever. I don't even know. Those are like the, those are the, the, the sayings of a culture other than those of my forefathers. So I don't, I don't, I don't even makes Jack a dull boy. Yeah, there you go. Gloomy Gus, Jack a dull boy, right? Uh, uh, okay, fine. How much do you need to play? You need to play 10% of your time. Then the other ninety percent get to work. I, I'm 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 not that on the ball. Okay, you need to play fifty percent of the time. You need to play eighty percent of the time. Then play eighty percent of the time. The twenty percent you can work. Don't settle for nineteen. Then. From the beauty of the Islam, a submission to Allah Taala of a person is leaving those things that don't concern them. Be avid for the thing that will benefit you in this world or in the hereafter. You say, Shaykh, I'm not all that spiritual. You know, we're dunyawi people. Okay, then excel in your dunya. You know, if you're going to be an NBA player, then go play basketball. You know, if you're going to make money, then go make a lot of money. Make a lot of money. Make such a huge pile of money that through your money, you'll be able to participate in the, in the deeds of the righteous and the pious. And they'll take you along for a ride with them. You're gonna be a basketball player, uh, you know. You know, get a gold medal in boxing or whatever. You know, go get it. Go knock your opponents, knock the lights out of them, and then afterward, when you're on the podium, you know, tell people that there's no god except for Allah and that Muhammad is His Messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The thing is, this is that like if you uh, waste your time doing this and that and never make anything of yourself, then you're not gonna help your, yourself or other people spiritually, materially, or anything. You're gonna be the most Sounds like a mean thing to say. I don't want to say it in order to be mean. You're going to be the most useless of people. And the reason I say it is not necessarily, again, to be mean, but just for us to remind one another that, hey, you don't want to be that person. Don't be that person. 
Don't be that person. You have a chance still to make choices that will make you a useful person, a helpful person. If you will never be a person that will benefit others, at least you're focusing on what benefits you will make you less of a burden on others uh, uh, at any rate. But the point is, is focus on what you need to do. And if you can't do it 100% of the time, focus as much as you can and don't let Shaitan, you know, uh, uh, convince you to open a bag of Cheetos and watch reruns of The Simpsons or South Park, you know, until, uh, until you completely turn your days into ashes and dust. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, protect us all. وَقَوْلُهُ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامُ لِلَّذِي اِحْتَضَرَ لَهُ فِي الْوَصِيَّةِ لَا تَغْضَلُ And the hadith of the Prophet uh, in which he said to the person who came to him asking for uh, some advice, uh, don't, don't get angry. And it's interesting that person is like, yeah, yeah, that's good advice, but can you give me some, what, what other advice can you give me? The Prophet says, don't get angry. He's like, I get that, but like, what other advice? He says, don't get angry. And after asking three times, I think the person got the message that this is a bit more important than he thought it was. And this ties into, by the way, the, the first hadith we read, that for, uh, that uh, a person who believes in Allah in the last day, let him say good or let him stay silent. Okay, don't ever say anything in anger. If you feel the shaitan coursing through your veins, you know, if you're like, if the music video of that, that moment is like your nafs like blowing up like a balloon and it's like, it starts jamming in the background. I got the power and it's just getting bigger and bigger and you feel that power coming through your veins, uh, uh, that nafs power and that shaitan power come coursing through your veins and you're about to say something crazy, you know? That's the time to shut up and sit down. Shut the hell up and just sit down. Just have a seat, leave the room uh, uh, and have a moment with yourself where your word is just shut up, shut up, shut up, don't say it, just shut up. Why? Because those are the, the moments in which that word cuts a person harder than a sword. Those are the wounds that cannot, uh, that cannot be stitched up again. Those are the scars that will never heal again. It happens, it happens. Uh, um, you know, la tawbab is, 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 is like haq, you know, that don't, it's, it's the haq, it's the truth, it's the reality. Don't get upset, don't get angry, right? Anger is good if you have to like, I don't know, fight a cheetah in the jungle, then the quwa of anger is good. If you know, if through deliberate uh, deliberation and understanding, if like one enemy uh, army and another army, antagonistic army meet each other on the battlefield, then that anger will serve, <laughs> serve a person good when they're in the melee. But with normal human dealings that are of a non-jungle uh, type nature, you can't you I mean you can't be interacting with each other like that we can't we can't be interacting with each other like that we can't we can't do it it's uh, it's it's necessarily going to take us away from our humanity and toward animality and addendum to this don't ever write anything in anger don't ever write anything in anger if you in kuntala if you have to if you have to have to have to have to tell somebody off and say something bad to them, pick up the phone call them and say you know what you i hate you and your hair looks ugly and you smell like a, uh, you smell like a monkey right why because you know if you say say the words the transcript is gone whereas if you write that thing in an email or in some sort of text form that person could forgive you and you could go on to have 20 years of good relations with that person. That person will read that text again and the day they, the moment they read it again, the, the entire anger will reignite inside of their heart, right? 
don't say crazy things because people will remember that you said those crazy things. And for sure, for sure, for sure, don't ever put anything crazy in writing. Never write an email in anger. Never write a text in anger. Don't say anything in anger. But if you have to call them up and cuss them out, don't write it down. Don't ever write it down unless you want to burn the bridge with the person. And it's not proper that anyone who believes in Allah in the last day should ever intend to burn the bridge with another believer. We talked about that yesterday. You're not allowed to, you're not allowed to be angry, so angry with them that you don't talk to them for three days and three nights. You can't burn bridges for with people forever. You're just gonna dig yourself into a hole um, in this world and into a hole the hereafter. And like you know, spoiler alert, that hole is Jahannam. So, you know, just don't do it. Allah protect us. Allah protect us all. Allah protect us all from the 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 complete naked spectacle of anger. How it will make a fool of everybody. How it will burn us all down uh, if we if we give it a chance. Uh, this uh, nafs is a this nafs is a is a dog. This nafs is a kuti. You have to keep it on a keep it on a leash. The moment the moment you let it loose, it can be disciplined on the leash for a hundred years. You let it loose for 10 seconds. It will destroy your entire dunya and your entire deen. It will destroy your akhirah. It will destroy your honor. It will destroy everything. You got to keep it on a leash. You can never let it go. You can never let it go. And the ghalab is one of the worst ways of letting it go. It's a satanic quality to, 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 to let your anger control you. If you're in a certain situation where your anger is necessary, like, you know, to fight off an intruder in your house or something like that, even then you use it, but you never let it use you, uh, right? Sayyidina Ali who imagined that in the heat of battle, uh, he was about to strike the death blow uh, to his enemy and uh, he was spat in his face and he let the person go. And it's asked, why did you uh, let me go? He said, before I was fighting for the sake of Allah when you spat in, in my face, uh, uh, you know, then then I was going to kill you for my own self and I didn't want to be guilty of your murder on the Day of Judgment. And you know what you call a person like that? That person is a hero. That's what a hero is. Now we have people who are willing to forgive each other, you know, for 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 uh, for uh, spitting in the deen and spitting on the hukuk of other people and for uh, their dishonesty and their treachery with Allah and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But when it comes to the nafs and it comes to the dunya, they literally are ready to kill each other. They really literally will, 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 will take the sword to a person uh, for that. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala have mercy on this, uh, uh, this ummah and uh, uh, raise from it those people of the heroic virtues of our forefathers or even some, some fraction thereof. وقوله عليه السلام المؤمن يحب لأخيه المؤمن ما يحب لنفسه. And then the fourth hadith is what? The fourth hadith is the uh, the, the the saying of uh, his saying, صلى الله عليه وسلم, upon him be peace, is that a, 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 a the believer uh, uh, wishes for his brother that which he wishes for. Uh, himself, that the believer wishes for his brother, uh, 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 that which he uh, wishes for himself. Wafiriwaya, 
تكن أغنى الناس وأحسن إلى جارك تكن مؤمنا وأحب للناس ما تحب ما تحب لنفسك تكن مسلما ولا تكثر الضحكة فإن كثرة الضحكة يميت القلب uh, and this is also not only the hadith that we mentioned from before that one of you will not perfect your iman until you love for his one of you uh, one of you will not perfect your iman until you love for your brother that which you love for yourselves uh, he he brings in the commentary another hadith which brings the same meaning which is what fear Allah when it comes to those things that are haram and you'll be the most worshipful of people you'll be the best of worshipers and be pleased with uh, the lot Allah has apportioned for you and you'll be the most wealthy of people, the most free of need. And be good to your neighbor. And if you're good to your neighbor, you will be a believer. You'll be counted as the believers. Allah Ta'ala give hidayah to my neighbors. MashaAllah, I have good neighbors here in Cleveland and I have good neighbors in, 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 in Addison as well. Make dua for them. Allah Ta'ala give them hidayah and put barakah in their homes and protect them. And give them the good of this world and the hereafter. Allah Ta'ala give them hidayah. And uh, 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 love for people that which you love for yourself, and you'll be a Muslim. That will be that will enter you into the roles, uh, the roles of being a Muslim. And don't uh, overdo laughter, because overdoing laughter will kill the heart. And we're not saying here like it's you know haram to like make a joke or haram to smile or laugh or whatever. But there are a lot of things that really we shouldn't be laughing at and uh, being addicted to making fun of everything uh, what it does is um, it makes a person then numb and uh, 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 hard-hearted toward those things that, that really aren't a joke and shouldn't be laughed at not everything in life is a joke and the deen is not a joke the quran is not a joke the hadith of the prophet isn't a joke our elders aren't a joke our mashaykh aren't a joke the rest of it if you want to joke about something that's fine it's okay, you can make a joke, you know, knock, knock, who's there, etc. Uh, 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 you know, these types of things, that's fine, inshallah. Um, but, uh, you know, there are certain things that we're not supposed to joke about. At any rate, a person will not, a person will not uh, believe and tell. They love for their brother that which they love for themselves. Now, this is a hadith of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the point of this is not, you know, like many of the, MashaAllah, card-carrying members of the uncleocracy will mention this, like, you know, you read a namaz, no namaz, okay, just be a good person, you know. And it's like, eh, I don't know if that's exactly how it works. Um, the, the point is, is what? The, the Prophet did say it, but that's not what he was trying to say, that like, oh, the salat is not all that important. As long as you do this, you're good. That's not that's not what the Rasul was trying to say. What was he trying to say? The theory behind it is what is what the difference is between uh, Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam and Iblis is that Iblis looked at Adam alayhi salam and said, I'm better than him, you created me from fire and you created him from teen, from mud, from clay. And this arrogance is again something that we made reference to a couple minutes earlier which is when you look at another human being and you don't see yourself in them. The only way that's possible is through takabur, through your arrogance, that you feel like you're better than them, you feel like you're bigger than them. 
And Shah Waliullah mentions this in his Hujjatullah that, that that sin, transgression that a person does uh, against another person is what? Of two types. One is an idiot, a person who doesn't think about things, you know? A person who like sees a woman and wants to commit zina with her, but it doesn't occur to him that this woman is somebody else's sister, this woman is somebody else's daughter, this woman is somebody else's mother, and just like he wouldn't want someone to commit zina with his mother and his sister and his daughter. It doesn't occur to him, why can't he didn't think that like through much through stuff because he's an idiot. And the second person is who is the mutakabir? Is the person who understands all of that but is like, well, I'm better than them. I deserve it, they don't deserve it. You know, my sister should be protected, but theirs shouldn't. My mother should be protected, but theirs shouldn't. I should have my uh, uh, my desires indulged and screw everybody else. Why? Because I'm better than them. I'm better than them. And this second this second source of sin, this is like the most complete akmal, most complete form of evil. It's the most complete form of evil. There are many people like that out there, that they're that they're uh, you know they're happy uh, that somebody else should suffer and they're happy that somebody else should take the loss but when it's their turn to uh, reciprocate they're not willing to do it because they think they're better than other people they're happy to take from people but they never want to give they're happy to be forgiven but they never want to forgive they're they're happy they're happy uh, to yell at somebody but if they do something that's 10 times as bad they don't want to get yelled at why because of their takabur because of their arrogance right and so when you come to this point of, you know, of, of loving for your brother, the thing that you love for yourself, you at least, and that's not like, that's not like the highest form of Iman. That's just a prerequisite toward your Islam. It's a prerequisite to your Iman, um, having, you know, being free from blemish. There's, you know, the, the actual higher maqam than that is ithar, is to love for your brother, you know, more than what you love for yourself. To love for your brother better than what you love for yourself, uh, uh, in terms of dunya at least. That's the maqam of ithar. Allah Ta'ala praises the Ansar for this particular quality. He says, There are those who prefer others over themselves, meaning the muhajirun. Uh, even though dire poverty is their lot. And the person who is uh, protected from the shuh, from the avarice and the uh, stinginess and the miserliness uh, and the covetousness of their own nafs, their own nafs, their own ego, that person uh, or those people are the ones who attain success. And so if you cannot see the happiness that you see in yourself when something good happens to you when it happens to somebody else the underlying fault is what is either you don't feel your humanity in yourself which is a problem or you feel that you're better than other people which is also a problem and you know if there's any sin that is like the little brother of kufr if there's any sin that actually resembles kufr it's takabur Right? It is the quality that makes shaitan shaitan. It is the quality of being satanic. Satanism is not the inverse pentagram and like, you know, uh, wearing a helmet with like two goat horns. And like, even for that matter, 
you know, participating in drunken, like bizarre, perverted sexual orgies, even though that's very haram. Please don't ever do that ever, please. Um, it's very bad. Don't do it. Uh, you can quote me on that. Don't do it. However, that's not what makes a person satanic, right? Why? Because a person who's drunken, maybe is alcoholic and they're addicted to it. The person who participates in an orgy, even though it's a very unhygienic thing to do, bad thing, don't do it. However, a person can say, this was my shahwa, this was my, my, my carnal desire, I gave in to it. What makes a person a Satanist, even if they never drink a, a drop of alcohol, and even if they uh, never have this sexual relations outside of marriage, or at all even for that matter, is what? To look at the creation of God and to look at your fellow human being, to look at your fellow Muslim and like feel like I'm better than these people. I'm better than these people. There's no hadith that says that one of you will not enter Jannah if they commit zina. There's no hadith that says one of you will not enter Jannah if you if you uh, you know have drank alcohol. But the hadith is what that uh, a person will not enter Jannah if there is even an uh, even a mustard cedar worth of what takabur inside a person's heart of arrogance inside of a person's heart. This is the worst thing out of everything. And a lot of that stuff, I mean, it's bad. It's really bad. Okay. But this is, this, this, this takes the cake. This is the johar. This is like the, the nucleus of kufr is what? It's all from takabur. The nucleus of kufr is what? It's from takabur. Kufr itself is of two types. Subki mentioned one is just, again, the stupidity of like just not thinking about like who created the heavens and the earth and like just being engaged in mundane things until you die. And then there's a kufr that's higher than that, which is a kufr of Iblis, which is knowing Allah very well, having full ma'rifah of Allah Ta'ala, but still uh, conscientiously, consciously denying uh, denying it, denying Allah, denying the deen, etc., etc. Uh, so, uh, you know, a person, uh, a person has to, a person has to get over these things. So there's a, a question, what if I can't let it go despite trying also, uh, 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 you know, um, you know, like, okay, so there, there's two questions. One is if I can't let it go despite trying, um, you know, if you find that inside of yourself and you're concerned, then uh, I suggest you go and find one of the Ahlullah and sit with them and uh, take their company and take, you know, whatever prescription of um, Islah that they, that they give for you. So that's more the practical side of tasawwuf than it is like, you know, uh, the the ilmi side, which is what we're discussing in the dars, but you go go find those people, seek them out. They're there. They're few and far between, but they're there. They'll help you out with these things. Sheikh Tamim or Sheikh Amin or one of these mashaykh. Uh, um, also, what if I met a bro in person, had a scuffle, tried to make amends on my part? Can I just block them and be done with it? Uh, no, you can listen to yesterday's dars. And the thing is, like, I think I don't think. Blocking someone in in, in uh, uh, social media is necessarily called hijran. Hijran is you know like completely cutting them off. It's like if you don't even say salam to them no more. Um, although it's better you know not to block them. You know many things there's like a mute function or whatever. Go ahead and mute them. Um, but sometimes some people they just you know they won't stop harming you. Then you can have your intention inside your heart that if I met them in real life I'd say wa alaikum salam. But as long as this person is like actively trying to just like be a troll. Um, then I'll protect him from his troll-like proclivities and protect myself from, uh, you know, going insane because this person's trolling. 
Um, so I, I don't know if, if blocking someone on Facebook is uh, technically will make you uh, someone who made uh, hijran of your of your brother. Wallahu a'lam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy. Allah ta'ala uh, give us the hikmah of these four hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and make their reality enter into our hearts and make us people who remember them. Go ahead and read them again and again, even though we've read them before. You know, Go tell them to your kids, tell them to somebody and uh, repeat them and listen to them again and again. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make their haqifah enter into our hearts by the barakah of uh, of, uh, of La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah and the Quran Azim and this Mubarak Ilm and the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's du'as and Mujahada and Mubarak example. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala rectify us our shortcomings and uh, uh, give us the tawfiq of, of straightening out and cleaning up those things we need to straighten out and clean up before we meet him on the Day of Judgment. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati anna yasifuna wa salamun ala al-mursaleen alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Allahumma rabbana firlana wa rahamna wa taqabbal minna wa firlana wa wafiqna lima tuhibbu wa tarda bihi wa akhtim lana bil husna wa arfa' bi aydina raayat al-islami barakat al-fatiha Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.